0: So I think that's the key to everything right now. <laughs> so I'm glad you mentioned that. So it's it's with us. It's even internally because we have become so accustomed to communicating in different ways. So in our company, um, I could text you on your cell phone. I could send you an email. Um, I can uh, what they call Athena text go into our software and send a message. I can put an alert on a patient that will go into what we call buckets. So these are these are healthcare issues that need to be looked at. Like if a lab comes in, it goes into this bucket. So so when they they, for either a provider or a staff member and they have to go look at it. So so we we get so accustomed to, oh, I can get this off of my plate, that one of the things I've been preaching is that we have to take ownership.
1: Welcome to the Disrupted Podcast. My name is Jamie Preston, and I'm here with the Chief Disruption Officer, Scott Middleton. How are you doing, Scott?
0: I'm doing great, Jamie. Just oh, sitting man. here waiting for the rain to come in.
1: I know it's on its way. It is definitely I know. on We've its way. We had a beautiful
0: sunny day, and now they say it's going to rain the rest of the day. So. Yeah.
1: I, I'm gonna to try to will it away. Hopefully, hopefully it stays sunny and the weather. The weathermen are wrong. I mean, if you could if you could be wrong that much and still keep your job, man, what what a job to have! Right, <laughs> that's right. Scott, what have uh, you been disrupting this week?
0: Oh wow! You know, every day has been is is just amazing at the changes that are coming mm. to how Medicare is is dealing with us in the healthcare world and. Yeah. So last week, I had, I guess, a great opportunity to sit with um, the chief medical officer of uh, United Healthcare for the mm-hmm. Southeast, the uh, chief operational officer, and a couple of other their other folks to really kind of learn what they are looking for, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of primary care. Um, but what's interesting about it is that um, everything has moved. When we talk about accountable care organizations, and that's mm-hmm. what they call us now with um, with the people who are paying for healthcare systems, is that the accountability is to the provider.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so the, the insurance company at some point is trying to push the providers to where they need to be. But then the insurance companies then are pushing us to those levels and the accountability is it really at the end of the day lies solely with the primary care physician? Mm-hmm. Sure. And and I I have I'm continuing to go around the state um, and meeting individually with providers and their care teams mm-hmm. to really talk about what that means. Mm-hmm. This year, Medicare has decided that forty two percent of the weight of quality of care is going to be assigned to patient satisfaction Mm. with their providers.
1: Wow. That's huge. That's a, that's a massive number.
0: It is. And it, and it's also scary Mm -hmm. because, you know, um, so they want us to be nice and friendly and available. We have to literally, we have to have our practice available 24 hours a day, Mm -hmm. um, which we do, you know, and always have because we're dealing with older adult seniors. But now we have to make sure they're all happy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we have a lot of people out there who aren't going to be happy because we're not going to do what they want us to do. Sure. You know, that they, they all think there's a pill to fix everything. And if there's not, give me a pill that I don't remember it mm-hmm. or care. <laughs> yeah. So, right. so it, it, it's hard. So now that the frustration about that and I see where they're coming from, but now we have to go and prompt every single employee we have is now going to have to include in their conversations with patients um, these questions that the, eventually Medicare is going to send to these people to to fill out like mm-hmm. the survey that Medicare will send to them is 80 80 questions or 80 pages 80 questions I think 80 questions that's that's a lot. That's a a of questions. <laughs> and especially for somebody who is our population, you know, average age is between seventy-five and eighty. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who's gonna answer that and then and who's gonna spend time on it? It it really disturbs me. But it does say to us as as a as a provider group, we have to we have to play that. We have to make sure that if we're not gonna do something a patient wants, that we're really clear to them about why mm-hmm. and not just to do it by one person. You've got to include, you know, this, we've got abilities to have huge care teams to take care of patients. And when they hear something over and over again, they're more than likely to be more in compliance
1: yeah.
0: uh, with what they do. But you know, we're penalized if you we write a prescription and they don't go pick it up. Hmm. You know, we're penalized if the patient goes to the hospital, they put it against us as a primary care practice and, and trying to even educate the community in the world, um, sitting down with assisted living administrators or nursing home administrators and saying, you can't just send people to the hospital just because you don't want to take care of them tonight.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. That's yeah. it, and and you've got solutions for medication. You've got solutions for all of these things, of of keeping people out of the hospital. What what do you think the biggest thing that that maybe an assisted living, you know, community doesn't realize, or or even the patient, or or even the provider doesn't realize about quality? What's your biggest um, roadblock, Scott?
0: Well, I think the biggest. You know, I I say sometimes we're just lacking in critical thinking. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and, and you know, we we had and these guys are probably going to be listening to this, but we had a phone glitch the other night, and so we had a nursing home call our uh, call line, and the the, the voicemail did, never came through. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't get through our system there, and so um, the the nurse was looking for orders to come from a physician about a patient and. And so, um, uh, they eventually got the help they needed, but from somebody else, not through, you know, and, and made a decision. But you know what was interesting about it when I went and I, I went and sat with the the team at the nursing home and the, both our team and their team, and we sat around, and I said, "You know, here's what I'll get." I said, "I apologize, you know one, I mean, sometimes phone systems don't work. But what I really apologize for is that there should have been a call down list with at least eight or 10 telephone numbers on that list. So if this fails, this this is where it comes through. And and Mm -hmm. I said, we're going to get you that by the end of the day. And and my director for the region said, uh, Scott, they they already have that. They already had it. And Mm -hmm. I said, what? So we went and got a look at it and we handed it to everybody there to see that there was here's the number to call. And underneath it was eight other telephone numbers, cell phone numbers for mm. nurse practitioners, doctors, yeah. the administrators, everybody they could have called. And yet they didn't. Wow. So the, the nurse didn't think through. She says, well, this was the number I was supposed to call. Right. Well, you know, so sometimes it's just the, the critical thinking of, OK, I, and I know she was in a panic situation. What do I need to do? But we need to rehearse for that, mm-hmm. you know, because I looked at it and I said, So, what would have if a tornado had hit our call center and our phone system were mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm. you know, or we are evacuating for, you know, emergencies from a hurricane? Or you've got to really go ahead and plan for whatever the worst is. And so we thought we kind of had, but what we didn't do, and, and so we took responsibility for now we're going to have to go around and educate. All of their staff. Hey, here's the information. Here's how you call. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always somebody available for you. But it goes back to then, um, what? What do we? What can we do? Well, having that nurse practitioner working there at night um, it allows us to have uh, have somebody who can write the order and tell the and tell the staff, you know, kind of what they need to do mm-hmm. uh, with those patients. So um, it is um, it. And at the end of the day, that's what we have to do. We've got to keep um, our old people out of the hospital. I've been one of the sermonettes that I've been preaching uh, for all of our providers out there. First of all, you need to understand every dollar spent by a patient is tied back to your your national provider number. Mm -hmm. So, this is when Medicare is looking at what has happened with this patient. um, So, we added a bunch of stuff to our care team view this week, including. A list of all uh, by patient, you can see how many times they went to the emergency room in the last 12 months. Right, uh, it's terrible. You know, we had and and I actually I would say our numbers are probably better than a lot, but it's not satisfactory to me. So we had 40,000 patients in our um, on our services last year, 40,000 distinct patients and 7,000 of them went to the hospital Mm -hmm. within 12 months. Now, some of them could have gone prior to them coming with us, but I still have to say there's 7,000. How do I reduce that down and get rid of those? Mm -hmm. And then there were some patients, seven, 15, 20, I think there's one 22 times, uh, to the, to the emergency ring. So, uh, we have people who, you know, they'll go to the emergency room for anything and everything, you know, um, just because they think that's easy. So the insurance companies are making it harder. So they'll charge you, you know, like most of primary care now for most of these insurances are no no deductible, no copay. Mm-hmm. They can come see us all day long, and there's either none or very small, like 2 or $3, you know, for a copay. But if they go to the emergency room, 1000 yeah. bucks.
1: Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, going back to a little bit, you know, to just communication, it just proves you have to keep communicating something nonstop. Here's your numbers. Here's the backup number. Here's the backup number to the backup number. You can never stop communicating that because these, especially at assisted livings and skilled nursing facilities, because staff changes so much and you could never quit communicating those details ever.
0: So I think that's the key to everything right now. <laughs> so yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. So it's it's with us it's even internally because mm-hmm. we have become so accustomed to communicating in different ways. So in our mm-hmm. company um I could text you on your cell phone. I could mm-hmm. send you an email. Um I can uh, what they call Athena text go into our software and send a message. I can put an alert on a patient that will go into what we call buckets. So Mm -hmm. these are, these are healthcare issues that need to be looked at. Like if a lab comes in, it goes into this bucket. So, so when they, they, for either a provider or a staff member and they have to go look at it. So, so we, we get so accustomed to, Oh, I can get this off of my plate that one of the things I've been preaching is that we have to take ownership. Mm -hmm. So, so as an example, um, we have our own, pharmacy that I encourage everybody to use because we cycle fill, we get the meds out to people. They we're guaranteed they're going to get them. You're not going to get non-compliant in your medication if you use our pharmacy because we're going to get it there. But our pharmacy, what they can do then is they're filling prescriptions. And let's just say a provider forgot to do the refill for somebody's, you know, blood pressure medication. Mm -hmm. Well the pharmacy, the pharmacist has the the right and the ability legally to go ahead and send the next refill. Uh, while they're anxiously trying to get the refill done by the provider. So they can go ahead and send that out, which is a great benefit. Now Walgreens CVS isn't gonna you know, do that. Mm-hmm. You know, they could, they legally could, but generally they won't um, until they get a hold of the provider. How Walgreens and CVS has to communicate is differently. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they can't they can't go into our software and send uh, something to the bucket nope. for it to do. Um, but that also means that it, but I was telling our pharmacy guys, I said, don't trust it to happen. Don't wait the 30 days when you got to refill it again. Mm-hmm. You've got to communicate because they'll say a lot of times they'll go back 30 days later. It still hasn't been refilled. Well, is that provider been out, you know, on maternity leave, you know, has mm-hmm. that you yeah. know, provider, you know, been on vacation or do they work for us any longer? And, and so I said, you know, you still have to use old-fashioned text or, mm-hmm. or or telephone call. And so what we've done in our company is every patient now has a whole care team. Yeah. So our patients have uh, a case manager, a medical assistant, they have a virtual provider, they have an in-person provider, they have a doctor, they have specialists. And, mm-hmm. so, and all of these are on the same care team. And any time something happens to one of these guys, these patients, then that whole care team is notified. They have pharmacists, that's the other big thing. Um, and so they so we're now telling people, okay, let's just go back old school. Uh, once every two weeks, I want you to have a care team meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do it on phone, which is easy. Yeah. So everybody is gonna get on telephone call and we're gonna take five or ten patients that And each person can pick whatever patient that they're concerned about, and you're just going to have some conversation. Yeah. What do we need to do for this patient? And then communicate to that patient, "Hey, we had ten people on a call talking about you today, Mm -hmm. and we've come up with this solution." Yeah. Right. Communication.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. And and Scott, do you think kind of your experience? You know, you you worked so many years in hospice and continue to serve. You know, in that realms somewhat. You know, do you think that because I mean, every week, you know, you had an IDG meeting, you know, you know, you were literally going through every patient, you know, you know, you had to constantly be communicating to keep those patients out of the hospital, you know, And, and really hospice is kind of an ACO, if you will, you know, you get you get, you know, a lot of this amount of money to take care of this patient, keep them out of the hospital, you know, and take care of them. Do you feel like that's really prepared you for this ACO and then and the way that you communicate?
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think that, um, hospice was able to create a model. And again, because you, you're right, they were basically capitated in, in a sense that here's a pot of money to take care of this patient for the last six months of their life. Um, and you have to do the best job you could, mm-hmm. uh, with that. Um, and so, um, I, could it have been rolled out a little bit differently? You know, with patients, I think it could. Uh, but again, they, that was the incentive, and so Hospice was able to create this that same model, and that's what we've done here. I mean, we've mm-hmm. put the social worker, case managers, all these folks on on that care team together, and it's being driven by um, the clinical directors of clinical services, and who are mostly um, RNs and our. In our company. Mm-hmm. so you have a lot of eyes being laid on patients. Uh, now the key to it is making sure that everybody knows who's on their care team because back in hospice days you'd have a nurse and she might have 12 patients, right mm-hmm. right Well, it's easy for her to to take care of it they, they they got a lot of needs but she at least can hang on to 12 to 20 patients pretty mm-hmm. easily and and so today with our providers, our in-person provider will have 125 to 150 patients. Right. You know, which is also different than when you look at, um, you know, a person going to a clinic and you go, you know, you're just one of a, of 5,000. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen doctors who say, yeah, I've got 5,000 patients and they're real proud of that. And sure. I'm going, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you know, how do you know 5,000 people you don't and, and really they don't. <laughs> right. And and our cl- our clinic providers have been the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've got um we've we changed that model up a little bit with with a couple of our dots who are doing concierge medicine, but they still have, you know, somewhere around seven hundred patients, which I think is about all they really can do. Mm-hmm. But the neat thing is the way Medicare is paying for what they call chronic care management now. So when we have a patient who's chronically ill, we get paid to do all of this care coordination with all of these different people. So I think it's brought the resources for us now to really keep, create those care teams and start reducing the number of patients that Mm -hmm. um, our providers have out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, can never quit communicating and it takes, especially as the team gets bigger, the communication's got to get better. Um, do you feel like, you know, having too many ways to communicate is, is making things more challenging or is it making it better?
0: Um, I, I really do think it's better. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know like we communicate a lot in the company with teams. And, And so for me, I've had to Shift because I, I you know, like I texted you before this thing mm-hmm. and I just went to your cell phone, it would have been so much easier just uh, if we get used to it. I know Matt stobbins has preached to everybody if it's internal communication, then you ought to be using teams mm-hmm. um, and that and then if it's external uh, communications, then you use your text messages or emails. And emails are really only when there's a lot of information you need to read, Mm -hmm. Uh, because I get bogged down with hundreds of emails a day um, and trying to filter those out. So I tell people, if you're going to send me an email, you better take me, you know? So, yeah. But but I think uh, I was uh, was in um, Aiken the other day, and uh, I was headed over to our office, and it was kind of mid-afternoon, and I just needed to perk up. So I said, well, I'm going to run to Starbucks and get a coffee. So I looked up the Starbucks and it was actually at the campus of the of University of South Carolina over there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's nice because so, I could pull up parking space, walk into Starbucks, ordered my stuff. And um they they were looking around trying to figure out what the old man was doing there. But um <laughs> anyway, I, I when, when I ordered my drink, I went back to the bathroom and on the stall, you know how men's stalls used to do this, there's a poster with a newsletter. Mm-hmm. For the campus, and on that campus, and it was called The Stall. <laughs> it <was> the name <laughs> of the piece letter. <laughs> so it was, um, I, I've got a picture of it to send to you. So it was just like three or four lines, and I bet there were like 40 things on there of things the kids would need to know. Right. And, and I, I took a picture of it to send to you because I thought, you know, we've been trying to figure out how to communicate with our employees. Right. And, and I'm not sure that we don't need to literally print an email, I mean, print a, um, a newsletter and send it to them in right. the mail.
1: Yeah. I mean, wh- here's the deal. Whatever works. I mean, that's what you have to use. And if if you got to go back to that, we do what works. I still get, do
0: you, I get catalogs in the mm-hmm. mail. Maybe yeah. I'm the only one. I do get emails and on Instagram, but I'll put a catalog in the mail and I lay it down and then sure enough, it's sitting on the kitchen counter and I'm looking at it. But we just need to be looking at maybe there's some old school communication. I noticed one of our nurses the other day, um, she has a, a little notebook and she's just writing all kinds of stuff down in her notebook. And and she said, it's really good for me because I can just flip back and review it, you know, later and look and see because she's new and she's trying to learn and absorb everything about our company and our organization. Um, so maybe we do need to do some old school communication. Yeah. Um The presentation folders that you've created. Um, (laughs) And and I was the one who said, no, I'm tired of print. I said, we're going to get rid of paper, no more paper. And I realized that our patient population doesn't allow for that. Right. I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, You, you have to, it's, it's definitely a variety. You have to kind of hit it. I'm like you, I'm not a big email person. I, or I should say, I'm definitely like Matt. I would much rather use teams to communicate. It's much easier to to read, but then there's other people that I know they absolutely hate it and they love email. (laughs) And so, but at the end of the day, you got to do what works. And, and it's really kind of a multi-tiered system. But like you said, maybe we need to go back to sending out an email newsletter, which we can, we can do that. But at the end of the day, you got to do what works. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: It's um yeah. So it, I think we're going to have to um just be thinking that through. Sometimes there is some old school stuff. Um I, I know people were trying to figure out how to keep up with their chronic care management. And, and one of the, Things I am, if you're a nurse practitioner or a doctor out there, listen to me on this. Your medical assistant um, needs to be keeping track of that for you and they mm-hmm. can input that into thorough care. So there is no reason that maybe you aren't just saying to them, This is how long I was at Mrs. Smith's house. And, and this is how much chronic care management I did um, and letting them go into the system. Or if you're on the phone with them and you're talking, then you can say, hey, by the way, put this down or you're capturing it for me. Um, and so we we have people and resources to do it we just have to show them you know how they do it but i've told the the, uh, medical assistants or the clinical coordinators out there you're going to have to probably get a little notebook and write it down and say Mm -hmm. here's here's the 10 patients we're seeing today um you know and then you can add on anybody else down there but just keep track of it so that you can do it because what's kind of neat about it uh jamie is What I like about it is I can now manage employees better Mm -hmm. because I can tell where they're working, who they're spending time with, and if they're working. Because Mm -hmm. if they're not – like I was looking at some um, um, uh, employee group this morning, and I was sitting there going, well, wait a minute. You worked 160 hours last month, and you logged 110 hours of chronic care management. So I said, what did you do? Mm-hmm. The rest of the time. Right. Well, well, I'm busy. Okay. I talked to a provider yesterday. What did you do? You only billed 43% of the time you worked. Mm-hmm. That means you were only doing something for a patient 43% of the time. No, I wasn't, Scott. I was really doing. And I said, okay, what were you doing? Well, you know, I was talking to the family. I was re- reviewing notes. I was documenting my stuff. I was, and then going, well, that's all billable. Right. <laughs> so so holding people accountable, and I can't wait. This data we're accumulating mm-hmm. is going to tell us so much. We're going to be able to go back and, and say, okay, let's look at the patients that have had the best outcomes, mm-hmm. and then let's look at why. and And we're going to see that it's because – we're doing so a certain number of visits and you know we did that i think i've shared on this call before uh we know the at least visit types i know 1.7 visits a month in person 2.3 um in telemedicine visits uh three hours of chronic care management and a pharmacy consult results in the lowest cost and highest quality of care for patients
1: Mm.
0: now 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 our next model over the next year this is the challenge to the quality team is okay how do you now look at well what what Happens within those Mm contexts. So, is it a certain type of provider who saw it? Uh, Do we get more bang for a buck by a social worker talking to a patient versus a medical assistant or even a provider?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 I think too. I think I think a lot of these providers. I think they all, like you said, they. They're saying, yeah, I'm busy, and and I'm sure they are. I have no doubt that they're busy. I I talk to them all the time. The MAs, they're busy, but they you got to be busy doing the right things, you know. And 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 like you said, document it. Just record what you're doing, and because it's billable, you should be being paid for that at all times.
0: Yeah, and 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 then you can also be looking at well then. Was it useful? I, I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've talked to providers before, and and they'll go, okay. I go to Wagner. I was talking to a provider the other day. That's why it's on. I go to Wagner on Thursdays, mm-hmm. right? She works a track system, so we can only she only can see the patients in person in Wagner every other week. Mm-hmm. And 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 I hate it, but that's the only way we can do it too, because that's a long way to go for right. any provider. We don't have providers who live in Wagner, which is just a little podunk place in in South Carolina. So, mm-hmm. so she goes out there, and I said, okay, how do we make sure we maximize everything you do on that day? Mm-hmm. So you know, and it, you have to look at, well, how many patients do I have out there? So if we have twelve, then she she wants to try to hit all of those. And I said, but do you need to hit all of those? So then you have to start really thinking about it. She said, well, if I don't, then it could be another month before I get to see a patient. And I said, right. So let's be cautious. But if you go out there every other week, then let's go see, you know, do you see six of patients or do you need to see 10? And then how do you work the rest of your schedule? Mm-hmm. Um, so she has a nurse that started working with her. So the nurse can go out as well. Um, but then you may say, OK, well, I'm only going to send you to Wagner once a month. Right. And then I'm going to send the nurse to go out, you know, and mm-hmm. she can do telemedicine visit back with you, which makes your time more productive. Um, but, yeah, you just have to kind of keep looking because I don't want you just to go to a person's house um, because you happen to be there. But at the same time, like 70 percent of the time we walk into a house, we don't really know what we're going to be looking at. Mm-hmm. Like we know, well, I need to follow up. 70 percent of the time there's some big crisis thing mm-hmm. because our patients are sick
1: yeah they <laughs> are know? they're very sick
0: it's like in the hospital you the hospitalists go down the go down the hall and they see every patient every day mm-hmm. like, you know i'm I, you just saw me yesterday doc nothing's different well he's still going to see you
1: mm-hmm.
0: because it could be and probably 70 percent
1: of the time something is different and nobody That's ever proactive. questions it Nobody ever
0: questions. it. Yeah. But we used to do that. You know, like when we first started house calls, providers would go, well, well, what's the chief complaint? Why am I going to see the patient? Mm -hmm. You know, because they're thinking about a doctor's office where when you first walk in, guess who made the appointment at the doctor's office was the patient, Mm -hmm. not the provider. Right. So we didn't. Most clinics do not practice proactive health care. Nope. Hospitals, it's it. Well, it's a little reactive because they were already sick anyway. But their proactiveness is I'm going to see you every day. Nursing home. I was at our nursing home the other day We a brand new nursing home we picked up and we're providing. And and they were going, well, yeah, we're going to try to see our um, our nursing home patients, Uh, you know, once a week or, or twice a week if they're you know, on rehab short-term there and we'll see them once a month or so. And, and with was like for long-term and I'm going, no. No, every day. It, it, <laughs> right. And plus it, with the turnover of those patients, you'll never get to know them. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, if we don't have a relationship. We're talking about communication. We have to have a relationship, mm-hmm. everybody with that patient. That patient needs to have a relationship of house calls. Yeah, they need to feel and their care team, mm-hmm. you know that they need to know this is, you know, we're we're naming care teams like Care Team One, Charleston Care Team One, Care Team Two, but you know, pick your name, make make up your own name. We're gonna be, you know, Care Team Galaxy or Care Team Love <laughs> or I don't care what right. you call yourself. And, and then, and then, and you can even have fun with that, with your patients, you know, you're on, you're on care team Wagner. I don't know. Um, right. But, but then, but, but then that's what's building that connection and, and relationship. So, so that when you talk to a patient that you're, they're honest about what's going on with them, they also know to call you, um, and that's what I want to encourage us to do, that you, you have an opportunity at House Calls to do something that no other place is doing mm-hmm. out there. Yeah.
1: Now, something some, Yeah. Something you said a little while ago, Scott, yeah, I think, you know, if we, let's let's switch to sp- let's speak to business owners and, you know, entrepreneurs out there, because something that you do that I think is pretty unique, I think we, we get in the comparison game. And right now you could go to other practices, see how they're, and you do, you look and see how they're doing. You look at their numbers, you look at all those things and you could say, you know what, we're doing really good. You know, and you said that, you know, we're doing compared to them, but what keeps you, what keeps you? From comparing yourself and saying, we're good. We're doing it fine. We're doing it better than they are. But what keeps you from doing that and saying, you know what? No, we're going to compare ourselves and we're going to look at within and keep pushing to give the best care possible. What keeps you from, you know, falling into the trap of comparing yourself and saying, we're fine.
0: You know, I, I guess I'll go back to my roots and, you know, we've told the story, you know, for years about uh, being a preacher in Walterboro, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I guess when I go see one of my parishioners back in the day, um, I was 26 years old, you know, when I when I was serving mm-hmm. those churches there. And and I walk into a house of, a, of a, what I called shut ins back in the day. These are people who couldn't leave the house. And and I see them sitting in a recliner or, or or laid up in their bed, and and I'm going. Um, at the end of the day, half of these people are, were lost in the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. They had not seen their doctor in in months or maybe years. Yeah. Uh, nobody was checking up on them, and so when it finally just got too bad then they go to the hospital to the emergency room they end up hospitalized they end up in the nursing home and they die Mm -hmm. and and i was like i don't want to be that way myself right one day that that could be me i was was at a piano bar last night uh eating supper and the uh, piano player started singing that song um and i can't remember musicians but it was like when i'm 64 and Mm -hmm. i realized I'm sixty-four. <laughs> right. That's me. <laughs> I always thought that was ancient, you know, that was ancient. And and so now it's young. We can't do this to people. Mm-hmm. And and I'll I'll go back to it as as a as the preacher man. I mean we sh- we have to treat people better than, than we are. Mm. And we're not doing that. And yeah. so uh, what do we have to do to make that happen? And and so what I I just I'm very proud of what we have. I mean mm-hmm, the fact sure. that that we have we have forty thousand patients this year that we served um, across South Carolina and Georgia in their homes. And mm-hmm. and yesterday I think it was yesterday we hit um, we we saw like fifteen hundred patients in their home mm-hmm. in wow. one day. Yeah. Prisma Health, as I've said before, they were so proud of their four-year program of hospital at home, and they've served 800 patients, and that's for like a week at a time. Mm, wow. <laughs> you know? <And> I'm going, <laughs> "All right, wait a minute, guys, that's not so good. That's like one patient a week, <laughs> yeah, right." That they took care of. Um, so it's it, but you know, I will say this: working with United Healthcare this week, it was it was amazing because one, they had no clue what we do. Um, they they were really we were on their radar because we had done uh, we had done twenty five percent of all the chronic care management for the United Healthcare patients in the entire country. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it was done by South Carolina Health. Call. Wow. Now we have four thousand United Healthcare patients, and that's probably a big number for them. but so we had four thousand patients, and they were like, What are y'all doing? So when they realized who our patients were, now we'll tell our providers who listen to this call the reason that we were on their radars because our our risk scores that we tell people you know in diagnosis codes don't really match up that our patients are the sick mm-hmm. yeah. so they they so we we because we're not t- doing a clear good picture of what these patients look like um, then then they don't know what's going on with those patients but then they start looking at other places that they can pull those risks and they realize that that, we are, that our patients are sicker than we let on. So, mm-hmm. um, One thing you can do now as your care team is you can go look at your, at your care team and, and you can see all your patients that are listed underneath your care team. And then you can um, sort them by their insurance category. And at the bottom, you'll be able to see what the risk score is for that insurance type. So for as a company, I can look down and say, with United Healthcare, our risk score right now is a 2.12. Mm-hmm. Um, if I go to Humana, it was like a two point uh uh oh yeah, it's like it was like two point four or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um so you can look at each type of uh patient, so that way you know how we're getting judged uh by those guys. Um, but overall, um you know, we just have to work on where that risk, yeah. um, score looks and so we're heard, painting a really yeah. good picture.
1: Cause I've heard you say too, and you've taught, and this is not just from you, this is from other providers, other people out there that we should probably with our patient uh, population, we should be at a three and a half to four on average.
0: Right. <laughs> and, and we're sitting maybe at a two and a half. Yeah. Um, uh, so we've, we've got a we're just missing the diagnose code. So one of the things we're doing, uh, uh, just for everybody to know, we revamped our nighttime um, uh, call system because we've got more nursing homes for, for one. You know, we have a nurse practitioner every night, but now we actually have about, four people that are working every night seven days a week mm-hmm. um and there's plenty of them things for them to do they're going through what they call those buckets and communication tools our nurse practitioner at night is going to help us we're looking at patients uh and pumping up there uh making sure that we've gone into everything in medicare found those uh risk uh in those diagnosis codes and help the providers out there making sure they get on there um getting on in through the Athena system so they'll be able to see it so uh, we can capture more of that wow. out there but also to to say to our patients you can call 24 hours a day and we have a provider
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and, that, and so we were on a, I was on a social work call this morning Rebecca was doing a great job talking to them to say hey guys just for you know if you're talking to a, a patient we can get a visit with every in any day mm-hmm. so don't think that just because that person's care person, the NP or the doc is, is not working today that you can't get them seen. And, and you can always default to the nurse, night nurse practitioner comes on at seven o'clock.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So Ms. Smith would, I, I can get a practitioner to talk to you at seven o'clock tonight. There
1: you, you go. Know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it so, takes
0: a team. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I may start doing that myself. Yeah.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> it's easier to call a doctor at seven o'clock at night or three o'clock in the morning.
1: That's that's the best up, thing. Set, set your alarm a for two a.m. You'll get right in.
0: but you wake up and you know how many people wake up sick in the middle of the night and what Mm -hmm. we're telling people is call us yeah we've got five people sitting there waiting at two o'clock in the morning for somebody to call Mm -hmm. and they get they I mean they want to talk to you so even if it's I just need to change my appointment you know I just realized I'm not going to be able to get there you know at eight o'clock in the morning great call us at three o'clock don't wait till seven o'clock to shift change yep absolutely
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Scott, this has been great. Thanks so much, and uh, yeah, just we just got to keep communicating. That's that's one of the themes in this this podcast. Keep communicating, get those risk scores up, and and to to the what they really are, and uh, and keep changing healthcare because that's that's what SC yeah. House Calls is doing is changing healthcare.
0: We're we're going to get it close as close to perfection as we can.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jamie. You have Thanks, a great man. week, and Me everybody too. else too.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Bye. Thanks for listening. And if you could leave us a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. Visit our podcast website at the disruptedpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to one of our other podcasts in our podcast network, the LTC University podcast, Experiencing Healthcare with Matt and the Thriving Practitioner podcast. Thanks again for listening and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Have a great week.